full send. Well, we don't really have anything to talk about this week, guys, do we? Not nah. Nothing really happened this week. Nah. Slow, slow Good episode. See you guys next time. Peace. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Lotcast, everybody. Trey, Assad, and Alec here with you to talk all things NC State from Trinity Road Times here. Uh, wow. Uh, actually, we do have quite a bit to talk about uh, today uh, and this week. But uh, obviously, the big story, change at quarterback for NC State. MJ Morris is going to take over. As the starting quarterback with the thundering herd of Marshall rolling into town this weekend, Alec uh, had a great article out on our website about MJ Morris and what he does well. He also went uh, on and did some radio hits earlier this week. Sounded good, man. Uh, Congratulations. And, uh, uh, just, you know, guys, just fill us in on your thoughts on uh, on this change here, that uh, the future is now at NC State. It is now. No, I think that um, it, it, it had to be done. Um, you know, I, I said this earlier this week too, is I, I don't think the quarterback position this year was mismanaged. And I think that some other positions have been, uh, but I actually think this was handled pretty well. I, I had no problem with Dave's plan of, you know, bringing in a veteran quarterback and you redshirt MJ Morris, and then he comes back with second year, Kevin Concepcion and, um, Javante Vereen and, you know, you, you really have something going there and you have multiple years there, three years possibly, right, to take your shot with what could be a superstar quarterback. And I think they really expected Brennan to play at a higher level than he did. Obviously they did. And, um, yeah, he didn't. And uh, got to a point, I think, I think it, you know, they gave him a chance to play through the mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes early in the season. That's okay. They gave him plenty of chances to play through the mistakes, which you have to do. You can't just bench a guy as soon as he plays poorly. Um, and he didn't. And then Friday was was a cataclysm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they made they made the choice at the right time when they needed to make the choice. And uh, it's, you know, we are where we are now. And I think, you know, you get Marshall. Marshall's not a freebie by any means, but uh, it's different than, you know, throwing him out there at Duke or at home against Clemson, which are the next two games. So it makes sense to do it now. Yeah, on, on paper, like you said, the, the plan was sound because you're bringing in experienced offensive coordinator and you want the quarterback that maximized that offensive coordinator's style. And um, Dave has always valued veteran play. He's always valued experience. And somebody could come in and the idea was, was good, having somebody that was plug and play. And you could do that while having the added benefit of redshirting your stud quarterback, it, it on paper, it, it all sounded great. And uh, we all know that Dave has had a long leash with especially quarterbacks that have struggled. If, if everybody will remember, Devin Leary was the third string quarterback when he came in his redshirt freshman season. Um, so, you know, imagine Devin Leary sitting behind uh, Matt McKay and Bailey Hockman. So it took a while for him to work his way through that depth chart to make it down to Devin Leary before he handed it off um, in uh, the 2019 season. Um, uh, I think it was against Boston College in, in that year. So, um, you know, Dave's been here before with uh, having a backup quarterback that the fans have been dying to, to let in the game. Um, but, you know, just for, for the sake of the content, I'm, I'm so glad that I don't have to keep writing about all of the things that Brendan Armstrong is doing, doing wrong, because it was, it was getting hard to find new words to describe him doing the same thing over and over again. 
Yeah, one of the and biggest I'm, things I think too is um, the, the 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 when is MJ going to play talk is is over because he's he's going to play. But Alec, you you wrote a really good article uh, that's up on our website. Uh, what are some of the things that you've seen that that make you really excited for the rest of this season with MJ Morris? Obviously, he's not going to fix everything, but there's some things that that could instantly get upgraded with him in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, he's he's very advanced in the head, I think, for a young quarterback. I think, you know, it's pretty common for a young quarterback to have some panic to him, right? To be to be sped up really really easily. You always hear the phrase like the game slows down, right? It's slow for him already. And that I think is what really jumps off the tape when you watch him last year. Uh, you know, he made plenty of freshman mistakes. I, I don't think people remember. Uh, they remember the Virginia Tech game being this like this masterpiece. He should have thrown two interceptions, and they both of them were pretty bad in mm-hmm. that game. But they just happened to get dropped. But those, you know, were the result of just freshman mistakes, right? One of them was a failure to look off uh, field side corner and cover three, and he cut down on the seam route. And the other one was just a short throw and a one on one that should have been intercepted in the end zone. Those are just freshman errors, and he just played right through them, like like. He's got it in his head, and that really makes you excited because, you know, you see a lot of players that have the arm talent, right, and they're big, and they can throw the ball far, and they, they can throw the ball, you know, hard and all that stuff, and, it, you know, it's all great, and they don't have it up there, and it doesn't matter. You know, that happens five, six times every year in the NFL draft. Everybody ogles over some six five guy who can throw the ball 60 yards, and he sucks. You know, MJ has it up there, I think. So that is, to me, is the most exciting thing is he knows what he's doing out there. He knows how to read a defense, right? He knows how to progress through the play. He knows what he's looking for. And I think he could maybe get a little bit more of a clock in his head when it comes to um, the pocket, but he's comfortable in the pocket, right? He knows how to move within it, right? He's not like he's not like panicking in there. Um, so I think even if you go back and look at like Devin Leary, Right in his his first season when he played, and he obviously turned out to be a very comfortable quarterback in the pocket, uh, and very good at, at moving within the pocket. He had a lot of panic. He was a deer in the headlights at times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it really is the brain. It's his brain. He has a great brain. His brain can throw the ball really far. I will compare him to Alex's favorite quarterback, Sam Hartman. He is a he's a smart quarterback that is mobile enough to be dangerous but not a running quarterback how do you remove someone from from this (laughs) just trolling (laughs) no i'll give no i do want to give sam hartman credit though i i he he uh played a good game he didn't play a good game against duke but he made a heck of a play at the end of that game and I'll be I'll be clear for anybody that hasn't listened to me before is I actually I think Sam Hartman is a good quarterback and I think he's an excellent dude. Uh, yeah, I think he's yeah. overrated, but that's not his fault. And I, mm-hmm. I have nothing against the guy personally, but I don't think he's as good as people say he is. But uh, yeah, that's my take on on Morris. And I'll say one more thing about Dave going back to what you said earlier, Saad is talk about him having a, a long leash with quarterbacks is that's definitely true. I agree completely, and I think that's a good thing. You know, I think I think it's important to give a guy a chance to play through his mistakes. Um, I know people, when things go bad, always want to bench someone as fast as they can, but you have to, you know, we have to inspire confidence in your players at a certain point and giving them a chance to, to make mistakes and then play through them is part of that. So, like I said, I had no issue with how it was handled. I'm happy the decision was made when it was. And uh, I'm optimistic, uh, as like you said, Trey, it's not going to fix everything, 
You know, yep. MJ Morris is not going to be able to play uh, right guard and, and run block. Uh, he's Can we get Icky Aquani do... with Chandler Zavala back? <laughs> I mean, they weren't even that good at running the ball when we had those guys, <laughs> which is crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, if he can just stand out there and he can just be calm and accurate, you know, yeah. do what he did last year and be an accurate passer, there are plays to be had down the field. And if you can you can do that and you can build a serviceable offense, it's not going to be good, it's not going to be fantastic, but if it's serviceable and the defense continues to play like they played against Louisville, you have a chance in every game. Yeah, a 50% increase in offensive efficiency with that defense will, will win you a bunch of games in this league. And if the defense plays the way they did against Louisville the rest of the season, uh, we may be having a really solid defense the rest of the way here. Uh, Asad, I wanted to ask you, and we'll continue talking about MJ Morris here, but uh, the Peyton Wilson article that you have up on our website, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I would agree with you. I think it was the best game Peyton Wilson has played in yeah. an NC State uniform. Mm-hmm. What is it about this year that has turned Peyton Wilson into a complete animal more than he already was? It's, it's interesting to see um, how guys take the limelight and the reins of responsibility not everybody takes it the same way. And uh, we saw it with uh, Drake Thomas understanding that he needed to be the, the center of that defense last year, especially um, during times when Peyton Wilson was hurt and Isaiah Moore was hurt uh, the previous season. So it, it wasn't clear going into this season how Peyton was going to respond because he's always had extremely high natural, natural talent, but we weren't sure about putting the whole package together. And he finally, it seems like he's finally doing that. It, it was, a, it wasn't fully formed in the first couple of games of the season. He had, you know, a few old habits that he was shaking out, but he put everything together in the game against Louisville. And um, he was smart when he needed to be smart. He was aggressive when he needed to be uh, aggressive. Um, so I'm, I'm just hopeful that this is the Peyton Wilson that we see for the rest of the year, because I, I honestly think I uh, can't think of another defensive player in the entire conference um, who is going to beat him out for defensive player of the year if he keeps this up. You don't think uh, the the one guy on UNC who makes tackles <laughs> will get there? I mean, they, they have to have at least one guy that's at least attempting, right? <laughs> it's like 416 tackles and it's just because no one else makes it. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's interesting that um, the, the fake punt came to be, too, because, you know, obviously we knew Peyton Wilson played a little offense in high school, so we know he can run the ball. So I'm going to pose the question this way. Should we just have him play running back, too? <laughs> he had the third highest PFF grade on the team on offense. On offense, yeah, from one play. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is not good, man. You can't have that. Um, but I will say, like, the running game, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I know I know you're saying that in jest, but I still really like our running backs. I don't think there's anything wrong with the running backs, but there's just the, the run blocking is in there. And Dylan McMahon is, like I've said, I think he's the best interior run blocker on the team. And so that will help. Uh, but how much? I don't know. I think expecting any anything other than a below average run game is probably uh, a fool's errand at this point. So mm-hmm. I, I know that a lot of people were really worried about the defense with as many people that were lost uh, to graduation last year and people going to the NFL. So we weren't sure what we were going to see with the remaining players. And it 
really seems like Peyton Wilson has taken that responsibility of setting the expectation for the entire team. And you could you could really see it on Friday night, how they were all feeding off of him and the energy with which Jalen Scott was playing, Devin Van, Savion Jackson, the way Sean Brown was like just flying around with and obviously we don't need to spend much time talking about that ridiculous targeting call. That wasn't a targeting call, but you know, just like the energy like that, that, that they're going around with. Um, it was one of the things that I was really worried coming out of that game. If they felt like they left everything on the field and they came away with a loss because the offense yet again, couldn't keep up with it. And it happened so many times last season that it, it made me wonder whether the quarterback change was made also in an effort to keep the morale of the defense up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting point and it kind of leads into uh, something I wanted to bring up also. We talked about you know, Peyton Wilson kind of being the leader of that defense and we've heard a lot of players speak very, very highly about MJ Morris and the leadership he role he already kind of has with this team. I wanted to ask about wide receiver chemistry because we've seen – uh, the struggles there with Brennan this year. But with the small sample size we have from MJ, who are maybe some of the receivers that are going to either uh, break out with MJ in as the quarterback or um, are going to just up the ante a little bit, I guess? It's Porter Rook season, finally. <laughs> Terrell. Terrell. I was, I was, yes. I was yes. waiting for that answer. Yeah, it has to be Terrell. They, to be. There's something about that that they had. They gelled really well last year, and MJ trusts him a lot. He threw many deep balls to him in just the two games he played last year. That's what they need, right? I mean, they need to. They need a, a quarterback that will trust the receivers and throw that ball, and throw it accurately. And I think Brennan checks two of those boxes, but he was just very inaccurate. You know, and a guy like Terrell, you know, he's a good player. He's better than what his stats have been this year. But he's the kind of guy that can go get it. Um, and you, you just got you to give him that chance. And we saw it one time on Friday, right? I mean, Brennan threw him the ball in a one-on-one. And, uh, you know, he he, got, he went up and got it. You know, he, he's a guy who can do that. He, he can. Uh, the problem with that is that ball was underthrown, if you go back and really look at it. And if you compare that to some of the clips that, that you put in the article of the long balls that MJ threw, he puts enough touch on the ball where he can throw it long and allow space for the guys to get under it. I think what really yeah. excites me about the wide receivers with MJ is uh, there was one play in particular in that Virginia Tech game last year. Uh, it was the one where he kind of threaded the needle between two receivers, and I, I think it was Thayer that caught it. Obviously, we don't have Thayer, but... Uh, the one, the one long touchdown pass in the VT game last year, that really stood out to me as a what I call a grown man throw, and I'm excited to see more of that. Yeah, he's got good. He's got touch down the field. I think. I think sometimes he puts a little, little not enough air under those throws, but that one was definitely great. And the, the, the long ball he threw to Keon Lassane against Wake Forest, I thought was his best throw of all of last year because. You know, that's um, that was a guy who who wasn't open, and you know that's a ball that can only go in one spot. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, he's got the, the one you're talking about, and this, he did this several times too. Is it, um, you know, it's about threading the needle through like little zone windows and stuff like that. That's something most freshmen can't do because that's that's timing, that's chemistry with receivers. 
right, to be able to do that. And and that's something he did a lot of. You watch Virginia Tech game, you know, he's throwing the ball into tiny windows. It's it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think you know the fans have a lot to be excited about, and I think it's the right time. I and mean, we I got into a discussion about was it the right time or the right or or should they have done it earlier? Uh, I think th- thinking back on it now, it was the right time to do it with a non-conference opponent coming in, and then you've got uh, Duke, and then the bye week before Clemson comes to town. So you've got a little bit of time, a little bit of room to work with. Don't know if Duke's going to have Riley Leonard for that game also, so that's worth noting. But uh, I think I think to to bring him in for a non-conference game. Uh, granted, if Marshall and VMI were flipped, I'd feel a little bit better about it. But because uh, Marshall's not going to be a cakewalk, but I think it I think it's the perfect time to make the switch. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of now or never with the way this, like how you're saying this, the season's breaking out. And I mean, we're already we're one game away from being halfway through the season. And if you have any hopes of salvaging, finishing within, you know, the, the top handful of teams in the conference, um, you have to make a move. I, I, and it, I think it, it was clear, if you, just looking at the film, that there doesn't seem to be any glimmer of hope. It, doesn't, it didn't really seem like there was even one or two little things you could cling on to to say, okay, well, Brendan does more of that, then maybe we can keep going to it. And it was, it, it, it was just more of the same. And you could feel it in the crowd too. Um, and, you know, that's, everyone was so excited. De- defense is generating turnovers and then, then the offense comes on the field and then immediate three and out and then the, the energy just goes out of the building again. Put that on a uh, on a motivational poster. There doesn't <laughs> seem to be a glimmer of hope. Sod <laughs> I'll sign it. <laughs> I love it. Um, no, I agree. I mean, it is like you know, it's like I was saying at the beginning is you know, Brennan has struggled all year, but you got to give a guy a chance to 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 play through that and to, and to show confidence in him, and they did, and it didn't happen. Um, and the chip has sailed at this point. You know, you you, you hit five games, and you know he really looked good only against uh, VMI. So yeah, yeah, it, so, it is yeah. Let me ask you a question, guys. Then this way, is there a role still maybe in the run game for Brennan Armstrong in the offense? And if that isn't the case, does he just kind of take a mentorship role with MJ the rest of the season? It is the latter. There is no role for him in the offense now. And the reason for that is because we only have two quarterbacks. So if something were to happen to MJ, you don't want to put Brandon in that position where he's out there running into guys, uh, you know, putting his body at risk as a backup when he may need to come in. So uh, I definitely think, you know, Brennan, it's like I said a lot this year, Brennan, his biggest problem has been his accuracy. I think for the most part, He's made decent reads. Um, you know, I think we detailed a couple of mistakes on the website. But, um, you know, I, I think there's definitely experience there that he can still, you know, mentor MJ with a little bit. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I don't think MJ would be um, whatever the word is, uninterested in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, think I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, like you said, um, and I would hope that Dave rem- remembers him trying to do that with Matt McKay coming in in those short yardage goal line situations where it was obvious he was in there only to be used as a runner and then the defense would just stack the box and immediately shut it down and it, it was never really 
successful and um he if he went in you know he wasn't really gonna try and throw it most likely um so uh, they they will need to keep him healthy because um you know hopefully mj doesn't get hurt again but you know that uh there's always that chance with this game so you, you need to have at least one backup that's that's prepared to come in and morris is a plenty capable runner i think he's a different kind of runner but he's he's plenty capable as a runner too so i think you can still do you know all those things with him and then you know when it comes to short yardage i think he's more suited for that because he's bigger mm-hmm. the only thing that that worries me about this you know obviously i'm just a little apprehensive about the the switch only in terms of if it's not immediately turnkey like what the fan reaction is going to be like let's say he comes in he shows some flashes against marshall but ultimately loses that game which doesn't hurt you in the long run in terms of the conference race, but uh, doesn't uh, do um, what the fans are looking for in terms of that, that immediate spark. So, um, you know, all the people that have been railing on the coaches to put him in, if it doesn't happen right away, I mean, the, the guy hasn't seen game action in like a full calendar year almost at this point. So it's, it's going to, it might take him a minute. Uh, you yeah. might be rusty c- coming in. So I-, I hope that people are patient with him to-, to get spun up. I don't think NC State fans would, would overreact to anything. <laughs> no. That doesn't usually happen. Definitely not on the internet. Yeah, it was nice and calm after the Louisville game. Nice and calm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was like, I logged out of Twitter after that game. Like, I'm not even going to look at it. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. You know everything I remember I, I said last week, I said not to panic if they if they lost, and, and you guys were all like, oh, nah, they'll panic. And that's yeah. exactly what, what happened. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's talk a little bit about the offense a little more. We, we talked about some of the receivers maybe that, that could step up um, with MJ now in there. Um, we talked a little bit about run blocking also, but what else do you guys want to see from this offense going forward? Everything really? <laughs> oh, Trip. Yeah, no, I want to see them spread the field more. I think yeah. you can't, they can't run the ball. So let's empty out the box a little bit. Let's spread the field a little bit, you know, create some one-on-ones, um, and, you know, you have an opportunity when you do that to, to you know, really work the quarterback run game you know, with the draws and, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I spread, spread the field more. Let's get a little bit more aggressive. You know, you got good route runners at receiver, especially with Concepcion. Concepcion sorry. Um, that's what I want to see is more is more four and five wide looks. Yeah, and I, I want to see um... – MJ do the thing that we were hoping that Brennan could do to, to use his legs to buy time. Because if the offensive line is going to continue to struggle the way that it has, he can at least get out of the pocket, maybe do some design bootlegs. And because I, I don't think they even did a single one of those um, with, with Brandon, which wasn't doing him any favors. Just get him out into space to buy time for the play to develop so he can get, uh, get the ball to the receivers downfield. Uh, and I'd like to see a little more improvisation you know, if, if we're hoping to see the real Robert and I offense uh, make an appearance here, because I, I don't feel like we've really seen much of what it what it was at Syracuse or what it was uh, at Virginia in 2021. So, um, you know, just looking at the Syracuse game from last year, like the, that's like a, a legit open style offense that we would love to have here. So, uh, you know, just I, I want to see more 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 big more big 
Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually, was could we see the offense open up a little bit more with MJ versus Brennan? But then I thought about it a little more, and I'm like, well, Brennan came because he knew the offense. So Mm -hmm. how much more can they really theoretically open the offense up? Well, I think they, you know, I just think you can spread it out a little bit more. Um, you know, I think Dave's philosophy, you know, he's kind of like an old school guy. Um, you know, they, they, they've spent a lot of time in his career here running the ball first, being a run first team. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't run the ball at all right now, but I think you can pass to set up the run instead of the way around, right? Which is, you know, spreading things out, you know, four and five wide sets, empty out the box, you know, get, get the safeties backing up almost you know, stretching the field and then, you know, you end up with these lighter boxes and you might be able to run the ball a little bit more and you start to build that balance that way. Um, but I don't think that happens unless you really, I think there was someone who said this and I, I don't, I didn't personally check it, but I think they stayed only ran one five wide set in the whole game against Louisville. Uh, wow. and I think it was a first down completion. I mean, I, I think that's the big thing that I want to see is I want to see it spread out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it the players to run that. I mean, I think you do. With Penix, you know, is a matchup problem. He hasn't done anything. Uh, he's a matchup problem if you can, you know, get him down the field matched up on a linebacker, which isn't super hard to do with what, you know, where he usually lines up. Uh, you know, I think you have the speed and you have the players out there to, to, to make. I mean, to make that happen, to run that more spread out style. Yeah, and because it's a non-conference game, I think you have a little more leeway to experiment a bit with the different sets. So I, I would like for them to try and do that, um, you know, and not just first down run, second down run, third down quarterback draw, and punt. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. They did that Sounds like twice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I, had, I mean, that's the only issue I've had with the play calling is there's been some... S- some series series that have been um, conservative, and it doesn't necessarily been like the whole offense hasn't necessarily been conservative to me, but just at times, especially after a mistake, uh, after a turnover or something, you get this like, you know, three straight runs sequence and and this quarterback draw thing that no one is fooled by anymore, right? Yeah. A quarterback draw is is a fundamentally a misdirection play. You're running the coverage out of the box. You're bringing the pass rush up, and there's nobody in the mid level of the field. You know, no one's surprised by that anymore because we've done it so much. Everybody's got a got a spy or two, even. Um, so that's been my only only it complaint. Less than a minute left against Virginia, though. Well, yeah, because they were like, <laughs> "Why aren't they throwing the ball? They're at the fifty yard line. There's ten seconds left." Yeah. It barely it worked because because the Virginia guy jumped over the line. It wouldn't yeah. have worked otherwise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy, and I speaking of Virginia, I watched that Boston College game. I, I was I was rooting for Virginia, man. I wanted them to win that mm-hmm. game, but yeah, they were up early, and I was like, okay, maybe this team is is better than we think, and they're going to figure it out. And, uh, and then they lost to the worst team in the ACC. They haven't been bad. It's the it, they just haven't been able to learn how to close. That's their only problem. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So. I guess thinking about the rest of the season here uh, with Marshall this week and then Duke potentially without Riley Leonard the uh, that week, bye, and then we kind of get into the home stretch. Um, with the games left on the schedule with a ranked Duke team, a Clemson team that's coming to Raleigh that's still kind of figuring themselves out, and then you end the season with uh, some pretty some pretty tough games, 
who kind of remains on the schedule as the toughest game left? I saw yesterday that the Riley Leonard injury was not as severe as initially thought, so um, I wouldn't count with an extra week of rest that uh, he, he definitely won't be there. So if he's there, uh, Duke is, is mighty dangerous and, and might be one of the strongest teams left on it to state schedule. Miami also looks really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we usually we like to lose to them, mm-hmm. uh, so that one that you know that one worries me. I will say one thing though they've they've thrown the ball well, um, which you know those have been the teams that have worried me more than teams that have run the ball really well. But I thought the secondary played much better against Louisville, especially on the back end. Sean Brown easily had his best game of the year, mm-hmm. so it does seem like that group is coming along. Uh, but Miami seems to have figured something out. Uh, so that one definitely worries me. You have to go to Winston-Salem, which they look really bad, but you never know with that. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at the QBRs, and uh, Mitch Griffiths and Brennan Armstrong were pretty close together in the FBS QBR rankings. So that could that, I mean, it's a good thing we got MJ in now because that would have been a slugfest probably <laughs> if those two had played. Yeah. I mean, NC State has lost in Winston-Salem as the favorite several times, so it's it's no guarantee. But you would mm-hmm. hope that if it's, you know, you were just kind of waiting out Sam Hartman, and yeah. hopefully one, once it's strange he was gone. To me, it's strange to me that we're not saying Clemson as the toughest team left, but I, I would have to agree that it's either Duke or Miami. I, I still think, I actually think Syracuse beats UNC this weekend, so I'm not going to at all say they're the toughest team. But I don't buy I, it. But I think, but I think that, uh, that that Miami, the way they throw the ball, and just the 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 way Mike Elko has that Duke team playing, those are the two scariest teams left on the schedule. Obviously, going to Winston Salem is is always going to be hard, though. Yeah, I think you could definitely Clemson. You could definitely answer that question with Clemson too. Uh, you know, if they if they clean up their mistakes, they're probably undefeated. Uh, they've probably should have beat Florida State. So, you know, I don't know what to make of them exactly, but yeah, that's, I mean, State's going to be an underdog at home in that game for sure. They should be, uh, that's definitely going to, going to be a tough one. That's a tough three game stretch there. I'm glad there's a bye week in between it. Yeah. Was it Duke yeah. in Miami? Is, yeah. Thanks state game. fair. We appreciate you being in town so you can give state yeah. a week off to recuperate. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, it, by that point, Clemson might find themselves ranked again. So then that would make uh, four out of the last six games against ranked opponents, um, which is, we you know, we knew going into it that, that it was a relatively favorable schedule but would be tough on the back end. But looks like the back half might even be tougher than originally expected. Doesn't State go to Blacksburg too? Yeah. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. So they add that it's... to the schedule somewhere in there, but uh... – you never no. know what happens when you go to Blacksburg and, and with the situation with Virginia Tech. I, I you, you can't sleep on on that game being being like Virginia where they go in there and they struggle. So that'll be that'll be one to to keep an eye on too. Um, so before we we move on from from Marshall, just kind of give us uh, either what well, we'll put our game picks up, obviously, but give us your thoughts on on how State can win Saturday. Um. Even if the defense, I think, plays 80% of what they did against Louisville and we get, you know, a, like I said, just like a, a 50% increase in, in passing uh, offense or offensive efficiency in general, I think they handle Marshall relatively easily. But obviously, 
anything can happen with an NC State game. But uh, I I think that it's one of those games that you ought to win. It's not definitely not going to be a guarantee, but you ought to win that game. Yeah, it's not a freebie, but if they don't make a ton of mistakes, they should be able to to to, to deal with this pretty easily. I think, um, you know, don't turn the ball over four times. Uh, don't have 11 penalties. And, uh, you know, I think that's... that's well, hey, I called the high school game one time that the team had 20 penalties and won by 30 points. So <laughs> <laughs> anything's <somewhere>. possible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, well, first of all, we wanted to give a shout-out to the NC State volleyball team beating a top-five mm-hmm. team for the yeah. first time ever. Uh, that's that's really awesome to see, and and the images from inside Reynolds of that looked like it was a great great atmosphere in there. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of Reynolds, we're getting a David Thompson statue, so the goat gets some recognition there. Uh, how mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see it. How was the Bill Cower ceremony Friday night? It was pretty cool. Yeah, he he wore state stuff and waved at people, and you know it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so that that was neat to see that and. It kind of poses an interesting question because I didn't expect that to happen uh, for him to be the next one to have his name honored or jersey retired. Uh, so before we get to the question of the day, actually, I just thought of this. Who do you think is the next one to get that honor? Kelvin Harmon. Where is Kelvin <laughs> Harmon's thing? Build him a statue. Why doesn't Kelvin Harmon have a statue? <laughs> what about a kicker? What about Christopher Dunn? <laughs> I, want, I want a statue of Ryan Finley throwing the ball to Kelvin Harmon. Yeah, no, and I want a statue just, of a cornerback right up in his face. And he's he's got to get a framed, a framed picture of Emeka Amezi posterizing Tony Grimes in the end zone yeah. and just like put it all the way around the stadium and just... It was Cameron Kelly. It wasn't Tony Grimes. It was Cameron Kelly, but okay. It's same thing. <laughs> Who played in the game Friday for Louisville? Dan and Storm Duck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they both were there. That's kind of weird. Well, let's get to our uh, our random question of the day here. Obviously, when you think of of, of pets, you, you have either a, a cat or a dog, uh, the two most common ones. But what do you think is the coolest pet that is not a cat or a dog? Um, a ferret. That was what I was gonna say. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ferrets are cool. Yeah. Mostly just because it's fun to say ferret, but yeah. like they're yeah. also like the only mammal or the only not the only mammal. Something something they have hair instead of fur, and that's like weird for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think. Um I know someone that has two pet snakes. That's, I hate snakes yeah, personally. No thanks. But one of them is named John Cena, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Can you see I him? Like that. You would need a chameleon. You can't see him. No, he's hidden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, some kind of like cool lizard, either like an iguana or a chameleon, would actually be cool. <laughs> yes, a chameleon would be really cool. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know somebody who had um, one of those pet like little dragons. What they call them? The, the dragon? I forget the first. Komo- Komodo dragon? Not a Komodo dragon. No, <laughs> Th- that's way too big to be a pet. But it's <laughs> like a nine foot long animal. Yeah. No, I can't remember specifically Anything now. Off the top of my pet. head. What the name of it was? Bearded Dragon. Bearded Dragon. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and I know somebody who had one of those, but I also knew somebody who had a chinchilla. That was that thing was cool. I, I would say chinchilla. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty cool little 
pet it's kind of like a rodent thing in its own little cage mm. and it comes out <laughs> and it, like it has these hands that that are, are tiny but cute and i i would say uh, it sounds like a taco bell order <laughs> Chilla. I, I just wanted to talk about today it was delicious <laughs> wait what did you get uh i got um a uh, beef chalupa supreme with a soft taco and uh, an I- iced coffee cinnabon flavored iced coffee i'm probably going to shock a lot of people when i say this yeah. but i have not had taco bell since my freshman year of high school what? oh wow that's a long time. Yeah. It was it, it was like the only restaurant in like Tally for the longest time. <laughs> well, where where Alec and I went to high school, we had two restaurants right down the street, Taco Bell and Bojangles. So you either went to Taco Bell or you went to Bojangles, and I always <laughs> went to Bojangles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. They're talking the about Bells. Yeah, they're talking about replacing a gas station in my town with a Taco Bell, which would mean that it would be like 2 minutes from my house and that would be like a danger close situation. <laughs> the crunch wrap is so good, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how we're talking like Taco Bell on an NC State bus. Ci- I guess we're getting a Taco Bell endorsement here before too long now, right? The Cinnabon the Munchkins are clutch. Oh man. Yeah. I, the, the, I, don't, I don't love the cinnamon twists. I feel like I'm eating air. Yeah. It's like sugary air. <laughs> Anyway, the worst fast food item in history is the McRib. So I'm just going to throw that out there real quick. <laughs> Why didn't we talk about this when we did our fast food thing the other week? Yeah, this is out of place, but you know yeah. what? <laughs> what do you think MJ Morris's uh, favorite fast food item is? We should ask him. We should like DM Doesn't him. Doesn't he have an NIL yeah. deal with like a meat company or something? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> what was the what was the NIL deal he had that, that people were discussing? Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, uh, head and shoulders. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. He's got big <laughs> hair. Yeah. Can MJ Morris line up in the C gap? That's the big question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's going to wrap up this edition of the lot cast. Obviously NC state and Marshall play at two o'clock on Saturday. Well, I'm on central time. So one o'clock for me, but two o'clock for those on the, the Eastern time zone. And then uh, next week, we'll talk a little bit about that game. Hopefully, it's a win. And then we'll look ahead to the trip over to Wallace Wade to take on the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, didn't think before the season started that would be a big game, but uh, here we are. So we'll we'll discuss that as well next week on the Lockcast. Asad, Alec, as always, fun hanging out with you guys. You too. Go Pack. <laughs>